Today, on the Word Preacher Podcast, a great and marvelous work, John the Baptist and the Priesthood Restored. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Today we are looking at sections 12 and 13 and the end of Joseph Smith history in the Pearl of Great Price. Um, Let's go ahead and get started by talking a little about the background of section 12. Section 12 was a revelation given through the prophet Joseph Smith to Joseph Knight. Now, Joseph Knight had contributed um, to the work of translation by actually providing material assistance. In a sense, he helped sponsor the Book of Mormon. And at his request, the prophet received this revelation. Now, you may see some patterns that are familiar as we look at some of the verses in this section. There's a promise of a great and marvelous work about to come forth among the children of men very similar to stuff that we've seen before and that will be coming in the reading for next week. There's a declaration that the field is white, all ready to harvest, an invitation to thrust in the sickle and reap. So part of the question to address as we look at this, why is this so similar to other sections? Let's look at a little bit of reading. Let's go for verses 6 through 9. Now, as you have asked, behold, I say unto you, keep my commandments, and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Behold, I speak unto you, and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. And no one can assist in this work except he shall be humble and full of love, having faith, hope, and charity, being temperate in all things whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care. Behold, I am the light and the life of the world that speak these words. Therefore give heed with your might, and then you are called. Amen. So, the Lord speaks these revelations not to just one person. That was kind of a a nice pickup in in that. Uh, Behold, I speak unto you, and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. Um, So part of the reason that we see these similarities, these patterns arise in many of these early sections, is because it applies to so many people. God invites all who are willing to be a part of his kingdom to do so. This uh, invitation provides promises of the great and marvelous success that will be realized in the work and a reminder that no setback can stop the kingdom of God. That's the whole point of a great and marvelous work is about to come forth. This is not something that just Joseph Smith came up with. This is something tied to God himself. And no setback is going to cause a problem with that. It can't stop this work from progressing. 
Also, God counsels that being a part of this work is not a come-as-you-are endeavor. You must become humble. You must develop love, have faith, hope, and charity. And this is important because these attributes were not always developed by some of these early members of the church. And as a result, there were problems. Some people believed that they had the same right to receive revelations for the church that Joseph had, and they felt slighted when they received any form of correction. Sometimes, uh, I mean, you really feel for some of these people who were out doing the best that they could, and they just didn't know how to do that. There weren't handbooks and things to help them understand exactly how to do it. They had to do the best that they can, and people made mistakes. Some of these people making mistakes were less than honest about it, and when they received correction, they were not humble enough to change their course and try and get on the right path. And they ended up leaving and even fighting against the church. Some people lacked faith. And when they would encounter a setback, they would be convinced that, well, maybe God's kingdom, maybe Joseph is not directing God's kingdom. Because obviously, God's actual kingdom would be established without any challenges. It would just smoothly be established without any obstacles, um, which of course is, well, not ever been true. <laughs> there have always been challenges. Uh, as you look in the scriptures, regardless of, of the time period, whether it's Alma the Elder encountering one of the wicked priests who prohibited them praying out loud, or whether it was bondage in Babylon, whether it's Esther encountering Mordecai, who's planning to kill all of the Jews, uh, there's any of these things that we realize, of course there will be challenges and obstacles, and some of them will be very serious. But faith is the understanding that in the end, God will prevail over any of these challenges. There were also people who lacked love, and they believed that they were entitled to special privileges not afforded to others, even to the point of using this to justify their own sins. And uh, you see this in many leaders uh, who, who kind of arose. Uh, certainly people like John C. Bennett, who came up and wanted to really impress Joseph, and, and uh, secretly he was involved in behavior that was quite unbecoming of any sort of leader in the church. Um, and he left the church and ended up fighting against it. Uh, and so you, you have those sorts of things that apply. This is God, in these verses, very early in the Doctrine and Covenants, establishing that you actually need all of these um, attributes, humility and love, faith, hope, charity. Um, it's, it's good to be invited. You have a desire. That's excellent. You also need these things. And this council is not something that just applied in the 1800s. 
God wants you to be a part of his kingdom and a part of the marvelous work of establishing it. And God also requires you to change your nature and embrace humility, diligence, faith, hope, and charity. All right. So we continue in our uh, Come Follow Me material. The next section is section 13. It's very short. Let's read it. Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels, and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. That's the section. Now, John the Baptist was the one who uttered these words. He appeared to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery on May 15, 1829, as they were praying regarding baptism for the remission of sins, uh, these questions having arrived through their work of translating the Book of Mormon. Um, John the Baptist had descended in a cloud of light uh, as Joseph Smith described, he laid his hands upon them and ordained them using that prayer that we read, uh, that is section 13. John's authority to baptize is not really something that's in question. Um, he was recognized by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus went to John to be baptized by him in the River Jordan. Jesus loved John the Baptist and recognized um, his authority repeatedly. And also, John recognized the divinity of Jesus Christ nowhere more profoundly than in uh, the Gospel of John the Divine. Uh, as an authorized priest in the Aaronic priesthood, John was able to help Joseph and Oliver understand the purposes of the Aaronic priesthood. And as we look at the text in section 13, we get things that we might not otherwise have. This is, this is an incredibly valuable and rich section in spite of its short length. The gospel of repentance and baptism, this is fundamental to what Jesus taught. And undoubtedly, any who are given the authority to act in the name of God, they would have to be rooted in the core doctrine of God, faith, penitence, and baptism. And here it is right here, the keys or the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. This is also true, the work of all messengers, including angels who minister, focused on this doctrine as well. Uh, and when we talk about the keys, uh, the keys are, are just a way to describe the ability to direct the work of this gospel message. So a holder of the priesthood is able to as Jesus himself did, direct how blessings are received to assist people in connecting 
to God. And this is a big part of what is meant by the ministering of angels. Um, I was going to go in, President Oaks gave a talk on this um, in general conference that was brilliant. Um, I'm not going to go into that uh, for shortage of time, but uh, that's worth looking up. Uh, President Oaks, Dallin H. Oaks, talking about the uh, keys of the ministering of angels and what that means. All right. Um, the priesthood represents a connection to God through his servants. Any individual who receives a blessing or ordinance through the priesthood is doing so in an attempt to reach God. And as such, all who hold the Aaronic priesthood can be understood to be as the sons of Levi that are referred to in this section 13. This Until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. This part of the section is a little bit cryptic, and I'd like to spend a little time talking about that. The prophet Joseph Smith said the following uh, clarifying statement. He said, it is generally supposed that the sacrifice was entirely done away when the great sacrifice, i.e. the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, was offered up, and that there will be no necessity for the ordinance of sacrifice in future. But those who assert this are certainly not acquainted with the duties, privileges, and authority of the priesthood or with the prophets. The offering of sacrifice has ever been connected and forms a part of the duties of the priesthood. It began with the priesthood and will be continued until after the coming of Christ from generation to generation. These sacrifices, as well as every ordinance belonging to the priesthood, will, when the temple of the Lord shall be built and the sons of Levi be purified, be fully restored and attended to in all their powers, ramifications, and blessings. This ever did and ever will exist when the powers of the Melchizedek priesthood are sufficiently manifest. Else, how can the restitution of all things spoken of by the holy prophets be brought to pass? It is not to be understood that the law of Moses will be established again with all its rites and variety of ceremonies. This has never been spoken of by the prophets, but those things which existed prior to Moses' day, namely sacrifice, will be continued. Uh, that's the reference for that is history of the church for uh, to eleven to twelve. In other words, the stuff that happened a long time ago that still matters. God has not forgotten any of His promises, and undoubtedly, this is a part of why He chose to to bring these ancient servants, John the Baptist and Peter, James, and John. Um, let's move on to our next section. We'll talk about this. Um, here's the, the passage talking about restoration of the priesthood. Um, 
that is in Joseph Smith history, starting in verse 70 and going to verse 74. He said this ironic priesthood had not the power of laying on hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, but that this should be conferred on us hereafter. And he commanded us to go and be baptized, and gave us directions that I should baptize Oliver Cowdery, and that afterwards he should baptize me. Accordingly, we went and were baptized. I baptized him first, and afterwards he baptized me, after which I laid my hands upon his head and ordained him to the Aaronic priesthood, and afterwards he laid his hands on me and ordained me to the same priesthood, for so we were commanded. The messenger who visited us on this occasion and conferred this priesthood upon us said that his name was John, the same that is called John the Baptist in the New Testament, and that he acted under the direction of Peter, James, and John, who held the keys of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which priesthood, he said, would in due time be conferred on us, and that I should be called the first elder of the church, and that he, Oliver Cowdery, the second. It was on the 15th day of May, 1829, that we were ordained under the hand of this messenger and baptized. Immediately on our coming up out of the water, after we had been baptized, we experienced great and glorious blessings from our Heavenly Father. No sooner had I baptized Oliver Cowdery than the Holy Ghost fell upon him, and he stood up and prophesied many things which should shortly come to pass. And again, so soon as I had been baptized by him, I also had the spirit of prophecy when, standing up, I prophesied concerning the rise of this church and many other things connected with the church. And this generation of the children of men, we were filled with the Holy Ghost and rejoiced in the God of our salvation. Our minds being now enlightened, we began to have the scriptures laid open to our understandings, and the true meaning and intention of their more mysterious passages revealed unto us in a manner which we never could attain to previously, nor ever before had thought of. In the meantime, we were forced to keep the secret the circumstances of having received the priesthood and our having been baptized owing to a spirit of persecution which had already manifested itself in the neighborhood. All right, there's a lot of reading, I know, but super valuable. Making covenants should change us. And I think that this, this example here, Joseph and Oliver Cadre, as soon as they arise from the waters of baptism, having made this covenant, things became clearer. Their minds were enlightened. The mysteries of the scriptures were made plain in ways that they never previously could have understood. This is something that maybe for members of the church who are born into it, we don't quite recognize uh, as distinctly, but um, certainly anyone who has gone through repentance, hopefully has felt that, that there's a lack of something. 
that we're in a place that's bad when we've committed sins, and that when forgiveness comes, it opens things up. There is a clarity, as, particularly as we partake of the sacrament, that we know that there's something new there, or something perhaps familiar for those of us who have been baptized when we were maybe only eight. Um, this is supposed to be that way. The, the Holy Spirit does help us better recognize truth, invitations, instructions, warnings, and to better exercise our spiritual gifts. Now, after receiving the Aaronic Priesthood, Peter, James, and John conferred the Melchizedek Priesthood on Joseph and Oliver, allowing them to truly be the first and second elders of the Church. The connection to these priests of old it's an important connection because it's shared by every holder of the priesthood in the fullness of times. Each priesthood holder possesses an unbroken line of authority that connects us through this ordination to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I think this is important to think about the various things that Jesus set up. It, it, it was really a multiple um, a multiplicity of ways in which he intended people to find him. John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John. We had the first vision. And when we think about this, the first vision includes establishing a new prophetic call. And understanding that, having a testimony of that, is a way for you to be connected to Christ or recognize him. The coming of Moroni and the Book of Mormon, which witnesses that Jesus was recognized as the Messiah many centuries before his apostles were even born. This is a way that we can see Jesus Christ and recognize his reality, his connection to us through this book of Scripture. It also includes this restoration of the priesthood, which we've talked about. It allows members to, by proxy and through ordinance, make covenants that enable us to receive the name of Christ, another connection to him, and also receive a remission of sins through the miraculous power of his atonement, another connection to him. It includes journeys to temples and the sanctifying the efforts of the faithful to more literally come to Christ by going to the house of God. There are many others as well, but the idea is Jesus has positioned himself to be in many places so that those who seek can find. In the end, the priesthood connects all who hold it, and all who receive its blessings to Christ himself. His ancient servants appeared to restore his priesthood. He is establishing his kingdom, and he invites you to join him. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will be looking at sections 14 through 17, the word being quick and powerful as a two-edged sword. Of course, there's a ton of stuff we did not talk about in this week's reading. Please do so individually and with your family. And of course, as always, fight on.